This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. You know, they have close to over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets, we are Star Trek. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con. This is the special Pod Fleet Command outpost dedicated to bringing you the latest from that very venue. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, the podcast network for your fandom. That's why we're here. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and it's a joy to be back. We had some, uh, some time off. We dropped some special content for you the last couple of weeks, and we are here with all cylinders firing. Of course, when I mean we... I do mean my esteemed co-host. Yeah, oh boy, this guy's a piece of work. I just, every week, 184 episodes so far, I've had to introduce him. And um, each time it's, it's tedious. I mean, he's, he's, he's a drag on the whole show. Um, I can't believe that I started a podcast empire with him because I just, I want to pull my hair out every day. Um, yeah, he's, he's Dan Davidson. Dan, what do you want? Empire. I like that. That's the only thing I took out of there, man. That was, yeah. that was beautiful. It's uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Love you too, pal. Uh, it's good to be here. Like you said, had a couple of weeks off. You had a great trip, I think, to a place where we're going to be uh, in just uh, single digits worth of days from now uh, out in Vegas. So how was that trip? That trip was fantastic. My wife and I did spend a long weekend in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, and I threw out my back while I was there. Um, and I'm still recovering from it. So mm-hmm. I'm actually doing a lot better than I was the other night. I can sit upright, good. which is good. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to heading back to the desert in uh, a little over nine days. It's going to yeah. be a great time for Star Trek Las Vegas, but we got a, we got a lot to talk about between then and now, my friend. Yeah, we do have a lot to talk about. We got a little bit of a scheduling change. Uh, the last time that you and I sat down and recorded, we talked about our, our next episode coming up after vacation, and we were going to talk about uh, Major uh, Barrett Roddenberry uh, for a special episode to continue the celebration of the Women of Trek um, that Fansets has started with their wonderful collection coming out in, in just uh, 10 days' time at STLV. But with everything that went on this weekend, well, really nothing went on this weekend, but we're going to talk about some things that went on this weekend. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con, of course, took place uh, this weekend as we record. And uh, there were a few things that happened, so we figured, you know what? 
we're going to dedicate an entire episode to everything because this is one hell of an amazing time to be a Star Trek fan with all that took place. So that's the change of plans. We're going to have a good time talking about a lot of cool stuff. And I guess we'll bring somebody in to help us talk about it. Well, as, as you said, you know, there was a lot to talk about. Maybe not so much discovery stuff, although there were some reveals. Mm-hmm. But big news regarding um, Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated series, which is coming in 2020. And some little show featuring some guy with a bald head. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about it. We'll get into that a little later. But Dan, we have a special guest geek for the full hour. I like that. I like it when you say that. I mean, it brings back nostalgia. Yeah, um, he is the co-host of Politrex, which just recently joined the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, which we are very excited about. Uh, he and Shashank Avaro do a great job over on Politrex, and he's going to be the host of a new podcast here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Once the Star Trek Picard show kicks off, he's going to have a live call-in podcast taking place. This is big news, and we wanted to uh, to bring him on board to talk about things that took place at San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. Barry DeFord, welcome aboard. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen. And I am happy, Barry DeFord is happy to be aboard the, the command ship of Pod Fleet Command. And you know what? This is a very spacious bridge. I like what you guys have done with the place. It doesn't look like a Hilton. It's uh, definitely kind of got more of that uh, sleeker feel and whatnot. But I am um, I am feeling very comfortable uh, being uh, being here right now with you in this place. Well, uh, don't get too comfortable because um, obviously you've got a lot to do. And Dan's very possessive. Yeah. He's very possessive. Yeah, Don't he just touch my stuff. No, whoa, no, whoa! No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> no, it's a joy to have you here. Obviously, with with uh, Trek Geeks Picard live premiering um, later on in in 2019, and Star Trek Picard premiering in early 2020. There's going to be a lot that happens between hither and yon. But right now, Dan, you should let everybody know how they can get in touch with us to maybe give us their responses to the events of San Diego Comic-Con. I'd be happy to do that, guys. It is so easy to get in touch with us. Just head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a variety of ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. And I'm thinking we're going to put uh, maybe Barry and Shashank in there at some point, but we're not going to worry about that right now. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and type us out a personalized message. Or you can even click on that big blue button on the right-hand side of the website and leave us a very nice message with your mellifluous voice using SpeakPipe. And hey, don't forget the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site and join over 1,400 other friends talking all things Trek. It is the place on social media where the Trek talk is positive with no bashing or gatekeeping allowed. Plus, if there are new announcements about the Trek Geeks podcast network, you're going to hear about it first in Camp Kittimer before anyone else in the quadrant. To join the group, just head over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to take part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan for the amazing job they do running the camp. But uh, guys... Barry, I'm gonna. I was gonna try to do it in a Canadian accent, but I just don't know how to do that. So just remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these there places there might be used in a future episode. There, a a yeah, yeah. got to get, <laughs> get the a and the in there. And, yeah, and you have to. And if, if you if you really want, so I'm from the province of Alberta, uh, to affirm anything, you just say you betcha. I was gonna say he has to try to sound a lot more pleasant, but I think that's beyond him beyond get it 
Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Trek Zio. It's treknews.net. Barbecue sauce. What the... Bar- barbecue sauce? Yeah, it just popped into my head. I, you know, yeah, I just I like like Tourette's and just like throwing stuff out all the time. <laughs> Chipotle mayo. Um, uh, online at treknews.net. Oh my god, what the hell are you doing? I, I, Dan's dying over there. It's uh, probably <laughs> that's awesome. Um, well, uh, since you're both here, let's talk about some recent news before we get into the big news of this past weekend. And uh, first up, Dan, it's no secret that both you and I loved season two of star trek discovery for the most part and uh looks like uh, award season nominations are starting to roll in yes they are rolling in at a pretty good clip bill and barry discovery was recently nominated for four emmys and those nominations include outstanding prosthetic makeup for a series um for the telosian episode if memory serves which was awesome uh, also outstanding sound editing for a comedy or drama series for such sweet sorrow part two Outstanding main title design for probably every episode of season two and outstanding special visual effects again for such sweet sorrow part two. So such sweet sorrow part two is pretty popular with the Emmy crowd. Um, And in addition to the Emmys, five Saturn award trophies could be going to folks from discovery. Thanks to these nominations, Uh, best streaming science fiction action and fantasy series, best actress in a streaming presentation for Sonequa Martin green, and best supporting actor in a streaming presentation, and this is kind of interesting. Ethan Peck, Doug Jones, and Wilson Cruz have all been nominated for that award. Three from the same show. Um, I gotta say, I am a little sad that Anson Mount was not nominated for an Emmy for his amazing performance as Captain Pike, but uh, it's early in the award season, so I'm keeping my hopes up. But that's some great representation for the awards, don't you think? I can only hope that there's a three-way tie. Oh yeah, um, for Ethan, Doug, and, and Wilson, because I think that would be fantastic. Um, I mean, I'll be happy if any one of them wins, but I think that it, since they were all equally as amazing, I, I think that they should all go home with something. Um, I, I just, I, I, I love the Saturn Awards. I think I give them a little more credit, Barry, than necessarily the Emmys, because I feel like the Emmys are a popularity contest uh, to some extent. Um, although I would nominate you for all the awards, Barry. Well, I appreciate that. And I do actually really appreciate the representation Star Trek Discovery is getting. And I would say very much that the work that those actors do, the chemistry that they have, the professional aspect in which they they present their characters, it, it is. It, there's that idea of, you know, if you if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. And I do feel very much that that's kind of the, the atmosphere, or at least that's the impression you get from seeing those actors work. So getting the getting them to have recognition for these sorts of things with um, with both, you know, the Emmys and the Saturn Awards, I think that's wonderful. And I would agree the Emmys are a bit of a, uh, I don't know, it's sort of an insider group kind of deal. But even the fact that they're getting recognition on it just goes to show that establishment 
establishment TV is recognizing the power of these different streaming shows and how they are really starting to govern and dictate how things work. I will say I'm not at all surprised that um, there were a variety of technical and behind the scenes Emmys because it seems like Star Trek is always nominated for those with the exception of the year that Star Trek The Next Generation was nominated for Best Dramatic TV Series in 1994. Um, The one and only time that it's been nominated as a series or for any kind of acting category. So uh, good luck to everybody. um, And we hope that they all bring home the hardware because um, we just love to see what they're doing. Uh, Dan, as we're going to talk about uh, very shortly, uh, Star Trek Picard is in full production. And recently, a former chief engineer on the show, or in the Enterprise, I should say, alluded to hopefully seeing some familiar faces. Um, And now we know that... uh, maybe the face we really want to see is his since there are others coming back. Yeah, we're going to get into that in in a lot more detail shortly. But uh, at the recent Lion King premiere, LeVar Burton mentioned that he thinks it just makes sense for people who are part of Picard's crew on the Enterprise to show up in the new Star Trek Picard series. Uh, as he said, quote, it is unreasonable to assume that he doesn't know those people anymore or that he stopped talking to them. And if he did, there's good storytelling in why, end quote. He did stop short, however, of saying that he would expect a full-blown family reunion of sorts. He said, are you going to see us all together again in a scene or episode? I don't know. Uh, So we're going to get more into detail about that later because um, there were some big reveals uh, at SDCC this past weekend, and specifically for things like this. So that'll be cool. I'm going to survey both of you guys. Um, Do you think that... It's already happened with LeVar, and he's just being coy. Barry? Absolutely. I think that that he's probably gotten some... His his agent, at the very least, has let him know that that talks are underway. And yeah, it can be so difficult, I think, for, for these people in these positions where, you know, anything that, that can get leaked can really ruin stuff. I always think about, and this is kind of a weird deep cut, but the movie Terminator Salvation had a completely different ending to it. And an actor leaked part of the script, and they had to completely rewrite the end of that show. So I can sort of see his use of negatives, of like, I don't don't think not that we won't ever not see that sort of stuff. That's that's probably Mr. Burton just trying to say what he can without angering the lawyers. Can I ask a quick question on that, Barry, while we're yeah. on the topic? Did the first right of Terminator Salvation also suck? Yes. Yes, it okay. did. Actually, <laughs> it, 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 it resulted actually in the death of all of the main characters and a very sort of like thud of an ending. Like it was actually supposed to just end by killing John Connor and everyone off. Okay. That would have been amazing. Actually, uh, there's a catharsis to that, actually. And I thought that might have been good. But yeah. here we are. Dan, what do you think? Are we going to see LeVar? Oh, God, yes. I think so. Um, I think we will see every um, crew member, maybe except Wesley. That's my take. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go slightly beyond that. Again, beyond um, and say we won't see Wesley, and I don't think we're going to see Worf. Um, I'm going to throw oh, that out there. I didn't even think there. of him, actually. I think him more Deep Space Nine now, anyway. So, Really? That's interesting. Um, I'm going to say no Worf, um, no Wesley. Uh, other than that, I think we're going to see the the other characters for the most part. Bye-bye. Um, <laughs> no, actually, you know what? I, I'm going to go I'm gonna go there. I don't think we're going to see Beverly, oh, and I, I, don't, I don't want to. Okay. Because so many people have shipped those two characters based on, you know, uh, the 
the feelings that Jean-Luc held for her. I almost, at least not in season one, I don't want to see Beverly crush her. I, I would rather see that down the road if at all. Mm-hmm. I just don't necessarily want th- that aspect in this, at the series in this point, if that makes sense. Sure. Gotcha. Sounds good. Okay. Well, moving on then, uh, Dan, a couple of our favorite Star Trek authors recently had some pretty big announcements related to the Star Trek universe. It's been a great week to be a Star Trek fan, hasn't it? And, oh, man. Uh, yeah. David Mack, author of my all-time favorite Star Trek novel, Sorrows of Empire, recently announced that he's involved in the two upcoming Star Trek animated series. He recently tweeted, quote, Now it can be told because my agent secured me permission from the production company. I'm excited to be working as a consultant on two new Star Trek animated series, Lower Decks and another one whose details remain classified. And that's all I can say about that. End quote. I think it's huge because, as you know, David's storytelling is amazing. His knowledge of the Trek universe is unbelievable. And I can't wait to see what he brings to both of those animated series. And also our very good friend Dayton Ward as Spock would say, recently let the feline out of the container made of a flexible material for carrying <laughs> objects, also known as the cat is out of the bag. Um, he's been quietly working as a contracted consultant for CBS Global Franchise Management. Much of his work involves being, as he puts it, quote, something of a conduit between them and certain licensing partners for matters pertaining to Star Trek tie-in projects that involve story, narrative, and its various forms, end quote. Basically, it means he has a job of a lifetime working in the best universe ever and also gets to coordinate with the likes of John Van Sitters at CBS, as well as Kirsten Beyer, writer-producer for Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. Oh, and it also means he gets uh, to know all about what's going on in these shows before any of us do. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it's still pretty cool. Um, he, I got to say, everybody who's uh, listened to the show knows how much we love Dayton. He's an asset to CBS. We certainly congratulate both he and David on these recent announcements. And now the only thing left I have to say on this matter is Mr. Van Sitters, if you're listening, get Dayton and David to Vegas, yo. <laughs> the yo just punctuates your message yeah, so well. yeah. That, 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 that adds that professional edge that i think yes mr van sitters will not be able to ignore that he i am, will be jumping out of his chair now because of that yeah i am so happy that that star trek that these these contemporary star trek authors are having full stake in what is happening in the universe as it stands and bill you were mentioning i think on the conversation that you released last week and released earlier on patreon that you're getting kind of kind of getting back into the novels and stuff like that and enjoying every single one. And I do think that that is an amazing untapped resource for a lot of sort of your, your more casual or kind of Netflix based fans who, I mean, that's perfectly fine that they watch the shows and just, and just take in that part. But yeah, I mean, for those, those long, long times at sea, when we had to spend without any new Trek, those novels really did help in, in kind of bridging that, that gap and, and giving us the time and space to get into this position. So I'm so excited to have these very, very talented men, uh, and authors helping in any way that they that they're allowed to and the more the merrier i'd say very well stated i can't really add anything to that and so i'll press on with our last item if i hit the microphone one more time um uh, dan <laughs> we are going to remind everyone that trek on is fast approaching and that a couple of lucky listeners can join us by simply sending us a tweet 
Yeah, we are so excited to be heading up to Ticonderoga, New York, uh, the weekend of August 23rd through the 25th to the official Star Trek original series set tour during their annual Trekconderoga convention. Uh, we're so excited also to be hosting a panel during the event. Bill and I just can't wait for that. And you, as listeners, can win a ticket to the convention by simply sending us a tweet using the hashtag TrekGeeksEnterprise. You're going to have until midnight Eastern Daylight Time on Wednesday, July 31st, 2019 to send that tweet. And then we'll announce the winner uh, on our first episode back after Star Trek Las Vegas. Uh, So just think, you guys are going to have the chance to hang out with us and also meet the likes of Robin Curtis, Terry Farrell, David Frankham, oh, some guy named Ethan Peck, and uh, the recently announced J.G. Hertzler. Very cool. Good luck. And it just seems so apropos for for today's discussion. Make it so. And do remember that this is just admission to the convention. Um, You're responsible for getting yourself there, whether for travel and also for whatever meals and entertainment you you incur. We're literally giving away two passes to the convention so you can meet all these amazing Star Trek stars. As Dan said, um, make it so. Dan, as always, we want to thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode of Trek Geeks. As you know, they've been announcing just a bunch of great-looking pins to be released during the summer convention season. And, of course, you and I are looking forward to the kickoff of the Women of Trek pins set for release in, well, about 10 days as we record this in Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you can see it over my shoulder here, but I got some room already made on my wall for the latest collector set. And, man, I can't wait to display the likes of Uhura, Troy, T'Pol, the Borg Queen, and Edith Keeler, just to name a few. This set's going to be available with special glitterized versions of these pins at STLV. And from what we have seen so far, they are simply gorgeous. And as we previously mentioned, in addition to the first wave of pins for this collections that will be available in Vegas, fansets will be releasing additional Women of Trek pins through the year. And you, the listeners, will get to decide one of them. As soon as STLV wraps up, we're going to have a poll in Camp Kittimer with a list of several female Trek characters asking people to vote on which one they would like to see as a pin from fansets. Uh, And you'll also have the ability to add in your own character name if you don't like anybody from that list. So you will be steering the ship for the women of Trek. And that's simply amazing. Well, let's hope that uh, we all steer the ship better than Deanna Troy did in Star Trek Generations. (laughs) Boom! Boom! (laughs) I I blame the plasma coils. I will always blame the plasma coils. (laughs) (laughs) Also, in addition to the women of Star Trek pins at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, Fansets is going to be releasing even more new pins, including the expanded Trek Tech line of pins, uh, the TNG Phaser and the Klingon Batleth, which is very exciting. A half Picard, half Locutus pin that I have to say I am all in on. That's the oh, yeah. first thing I'm going to get as soon as I get to the Fansets booth. And of course, this year's amazing STLV exclusive poker chip pin featuring Gangster Kirk from the TOS episode, A Piece of the Action. I mean, that's a lot of pins, and they've got even more planned throughout the rest of 2019. Now, in the meantime, as a special bonus to Trek Geeks listeners, if you want to receive 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week, simply enter the word UNIVERSE at checkout. That's all caps, no spaces, UNIVERSE 
And this bonus code is going to be available until Tuesday, July 30, 2019 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. We are Star Trek, and we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, gents, as we drift into the main topic of the episode, um, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about that transpired this past weekend at San Diego Comic-Con. Obviously, that's uh, probably the largest of all fan conventions in the United States, at least. Um, Happens every year in probably one of the most beautiful cities in America. And there are always huge, huge announcements. And this week was no exception, especially when it comes to Star Trek. Um, We're going to talk about probably the biggest news later on, but we're going to start first with some Discovery Season 3 news. Um, It appears that Season 3 has already started filming because we've seen photos of some scenes between Michael Burnham and a new character named Book, Dan. Book! I like it. Book. Yes, and the the scenes were filmed in Iceland. That Okay, I want to be part of Discovery just so that I can go on these trips to film in these amazing locations. Uh, Yeah, they have confirmed uh, at the panel uh, in Hall H this past weekend that that Discovery has leaped in time a thousand years-ish. And I guess there's this guy on the crew that we didn't see before because now he's going to be there and his name's Book. Book him, Dano. (laughs) Did did you tell yourself to do that? He did. (laughs) <laughs> no, it, it's I'm excited. Can you tell? I think it, I think it's fantastic. You know, I was as anybody who's listened to Discovering Trek knows I was not happy with how they um, ended the season with that jump into the future and kind of wiped everybody from history, so to speak, uh, with with not being able to talk about them anymore. But I also said that I would leave the door open to have an open mind to see how things start with season three and from what they've talked about so far this past weekend uh the pictures that they shared i'm i'm on board to see what's going to be like um i'm still a little nervous about the whole you know you know just getting rid of canon so and jumping ahead a thousand years so they can do that but it's star trek and and that's all i need to know is that it's star trek to enjoy it so barry what were your first uh responses when you heard about the the new character when you heard they've already started filming um where do you hope they kind of go in season three well i mean yeah i mean moving that far ahead and everything is a little bit jarring i think and i agree with dan where i think from season one to season two this is this is the usual sort of star trek since tng kind of mode where the seasons start really picking up and getting better and better and they gain steam and they get stronger. And I would say probably my confidence is, is very high because that one short treks in the future is definitely something that they had planned much earlier. So I think with season one being the way it was, and then season two being a a fairly different season, I think we're going to see a little more continuity. We have a much more established cast, the producers, there aren't so many producers, right? Like that. If you look at the, the producer list on the opening credits of Star Trek discovery, it is like a picnic of, of tons of people. (laughs) And so I want to see that that cohesion and I want to see that ability to plan ahead because if they're going to serialize this stuff, they do have to be thinking like two, three, four, five steps ahead of themselves. So this actually really boosted my confidence that they are they are really thinking ahead. They're getting an early jump on things. I don't I don't see anything that would that would damage or 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 take away my confidence from from what they've done so far and what they're going to do. 
Well, it's interesting because, you know, they've hired a British actor, David Ajala, to play this new character, Book, who, according to Deadline, uh, the character's full name is Cleveland Booker. I don't know whether that's accurate or not, um, but he's going to um, uh, apparently be a slightly mischievous character and is, uh, according to Deadline, his natural charisma and devil-may-care attitude tends to get him into trouble as often as it gets him out. So maybe he's a bit of a rogue, a bit of a scoundrel. Sounds like he could have a, have a bit of a Han Solo vibe as far as character creation. And it's interesting because now uh, Sonequa Martin-Green is at least, or Michael Burnham, I should say, is at least 900 years older than he is. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic. <laughs> what do you, what do you, how do you know that he's not on the ship and he's the same age as he is? Um, <laughs> well, based on... <laughs> Uh, based on uh, everything that has been reported, they're they're not saying that he's necessarily right. a, a discovery crew member. Yep. He they must encounter him when they jump. So. And that's going to be interesting to see what happens because the the one picture that that they've been focusing on um, at SDC see this weekend sorry about the little pause there is that picture with the two of them on like a lake of some kind when they were filming in iceland so you know they've got the they don't have uniforms on she's got they they kind of got like you said kind of like rogue outfits on or like or kind of you know, like leather and, and stuff so it'll be interesting to see what that all um uh comes to play it'll also be interesting to see who is actually named captain if anyone and it'll also be interesting to see how georgiou is able to if the plan is to get her back to the regular timeline for the section 31 series. Is she going to find out a way and she steals it and goes back herself uh, or what? I, there's just a whole bunch of questions for season three. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Indeed. Uh, beyond that, there, there's not a whole lot discovery wise. They talked a little bit about uh, the vision, about maintaining canon, uh, about season three preparations and stuff like that. So discovery for once really wasn't the big reveal at one of these mm. panels. It was shortly thereafter they went to Lower Decks, and we'll probably spend a little more time talking about this. The first of two animated series, which will air exclusively on CBS All Access in the United States and uh, probably on the whatever hick network you guys have there in canada it's uh it's called uh it's it's called um uh crave, crave tv and it is actually not terrible terrible whatsoever they um they have a lot of really good good shows on there and stuff so i've actually just sort of maintained my subscription over the last little while so kudos to them for keeping me interested they have all of the star trek on there too so that's good and then if if you're if you're not a cord cutter then you can just watch it on space up here in canada well, if only we had that option here and i'm not sure outside the u.s and canada where lower decks will appear i don't know if they've said if it's netflix or amazon like they have for picard and discovery nickelodeon comes to mind but i don't know if that's a you guys thing or a us guys thing that's actually for the second, second animated right, series, which right. there's no details on yet. But right. let's talk about Lower Decks and the way it's constructed. Um, there are a lot, there's a lot of polarized views with regard to Lower Decks because this, sh this story, this ship, is apparently the least important ship in Starfleet. And immediately as a Star Trek fan, the first thing that comes to mind is sort of the, the knee-jerk response of there are no least important ships in Starfleet. Um, how do you guys sort of feel about that concept as far as an animated series? I can, I can understand what they're saying, but I don't think it's said the right way. Because... Because nobody wants to be known as the least important, whether it's Star Trek or anything else. I know that I'm the least important part of this podcast. That doesn't necessarily mean that I enjoy being the least important part. Um, so, 
I think a little bit of a different twist to it would have been a little bit better. One of the most, one of the more unrecognizable ships in Starfleet might have been a better way to put it. One of the um, ships that is not always on the front lines might have been a way to put it. Something like that. But I understand what they're doing. I also understand the reaction that some people are giving. Mister DeFord. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I guess maybe I'm a little bit skeptical still. It's not that I won't watch it. It's not that I'm gonna hate it immediately without seeing it. But I guess like for me this is going to be a bit of a light, like a lighter, harder hearted series, I guess is, is the sound of it. A lot more comedy. And I'll say this comedy is more difficult than drama. And Mm -hmm. they've, I mean, I just hope that, you know, with two, two animated series coming in and, and something that is going to rely a lot more on comedy that they, that they, that they don't just try to do kind of like ham fisted, remember this jokes and stuff like that, that, you know, we really get to know the characters that they really flesh them out. Um, what I'm really looking for is that same kind of chemistry that you see, uh, with the DS nine crew, with the enterprise crew back in the day, even TNG, that kind of, that kind of chemistry still coming through, even though they're, they're animated beings, uh, instead of, uh, live action people. And just really quick on, on Star Trek discovery, not getting a front seat. Um, I'm really excited for that. And it isn't that I don't like Star Trek discovery. I love it. I think it's a very fun and wonderful show and a great continuation, but I feel very much like we don't have to just talk about one Star Trek gentleman because there's a ton and that is super awesome. So let the debates begin, but, you know, just know that we are in a new golden age and I'm so happy to be sharing this with you guys because this came right in time. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, it's rare to have this many series in production with more on the way. I mean, the closest we came to it was, uh, when Voyager, uh, Deep Space Nine and Generations were all in production at the same time. Um, And uh, it was kind of rarefied air then, and it's amazing now. Um, I I look at this as, uh, I'm sure it's not going to be Family Guy. Um, uh, Some people don't necessarily like the animation style. I really don't care. Um, You know, I go back to the the way I feel about the animation style. is pretty much the same way I feel about canon. I just want a good story. Um, and in this case, I know it's supposed to be humorous, so I want something that's going to make me maybe laugh a little bit. Uh, beyond that, I really have no expectations with regards to lower decks. I mean, anytime you have a show that's about four ensigns that don't serve on the bridge, I mean, you know, we joke about it a lot. Uh, I know a mission log, they talk about peeling potatoes. So that'd be their job. Dan and I have talked about how we'd be the least important red shirts on any starship if we were on it. Mm-hmm. I, I think this has real potential. Uh, and it's a really different expansion of the Star Trek universe. I'm kind of glad that they're thinking outside the box on this one. Here's here's what I wish. I'm looking forward to this, and I'm going to watch it. And I'm sure it's going to be great, and I like that there's a humorous take. If I had to wish for any one change about what they're doing with the animateds, one of the things that a lot of people have always talked about, and I've never watched it, is the amazing stories and job that the Star Wars franchise did with the animated series like Clone Wars. And I think Rebels might have been another one. I, I don't know if those are the names. I was kind of hoping for something like that because those series for the Star Wars franchise were so good and so popular that that is established canon for that franchise. They actually have lightsabers from some of the animated characters that are made and are on display at the Disney um, Star Wars area. I mean, I just think it's really neat that they did that. I was kind of hoping that they would do something in that direction. But at the same time, we've got so many other drama Star Trek series coming out with Picard and, and Section 31 and Discovery that I'm okay with it. And I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a watch. I'm definitely going to watch it. 
Well, I think they're going to do that with the second animated series to air on Nickelodeon. Really? uh, Yeah. Well, I think that's the intent. I think that's why it's going to be on Nickelodeon Hmm, because it's going to reach a wider audience. Um, They have not announced the title, but I'm willing to bet it's going to be Star Trek Destiny. Um, that's my guess. I have nothing to back that up. And I think it will, it will be something that will inspire the way, you know, cause Kurtzman keeps talking about wanting to inspire younger viewers True. to come into the tent. I think that's what that is. I think that's their attempt at, at an animated series like, like star Wars has enjoyed for, for oh so many years, Barry. Yeah. I think that the, the fact that, that we have a franchise here that bases itself off of exploration. And the one thing I'm going to give the writers is they are boldly going where no Star Trek series has gone before with lower decks and kudos to them for giving it a shot. And for more than anything, people who are, are, you know, upset or worried or angry or scared or anything like that. All I need to say is as Cisco would say, we are explorers. That's, that's what we're doing. And we're exploring how we tell the stories of Star Trek in different ways. It's sort of like our mythology in a lot of cases. And to rehash the old stories over and over again is wonderful. But I don't want to fall into some kind of nostalgia trap. I'm super excited that they are mushrooming out from from that common core of Star Trek. I mean, I know they can they could recreate, you know, the same sort of technical technical aspects of like a show like the an episode like the Drumhead or uh, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield or something like that. But they're going somewhere new and I'm excited to go there with them. And if they don't do as good of a job, I'll give them a couple seasons before I start saying this has to go or something like that, because I would rather well-made Star Trek with interesting premises than something packaged and just sort of thrown at us with little nods every now and again. And it's the same thing with LeVar Burton saying, like, I don't think we're going to have a family reunion. Characters will show up when they're needed. And I really hope that, that, these new characters we see on lower decks are going to be people who we can we can refer to like we refer to Janeway, like we refer to Garrick, like we refer to um, Spock or Sulu, right? I think that would be really important and very cool, and I'm excited for it. Star Trek has told great stories in pretty much any medium it's been entered into, whether it's television or movies or comics or novels or some of the interactive games, uh, whether you know the old VCR games from the you know, the, uh, the, the early nineties or some of the computer games. I mean, Star Trek, Star Trek has something to say in pretty much any medium you watch it in. And I think that this animated series is going to be no different now back to lower decks for a second. So they showed us the first character images and they do look like fun characters. Um, the four ensigns are, uh, ensign Mariner played by Tawny Newsom, ensign Boimler played by Jack Quaid. Ensign Rutherford, played by Eugene Cordero, and Ensign Tanoi, played by Noel Wells. That's rounding out uh, the main characters. And for once, the senior staff is sort of secondary, and I think that's kind of a neat concept. Um, we've got four characters there as well that we'll see regularly. Uh, Jillian Vigman is Dr. Ta'ana, uh, which is presumably a Cation because she's a cat doctor. Nice. And maybe grumpy cat doctor. Who knows? She, seem, she, seem, <laughs> she seems very grumpy. I'm interested to know where their gathering place is going to be. Is it going to be like their version of 10 forward, like the lower decks episode in TNG? Or is it going to be in like an engineering room? Or maybe it's some kind of like mess hall for ensigns that that exists on the ship. Yeah. And uh, rounding out the rest of the senior staff, we've got Fred and I'm going to apologize if I butcher this last name to Tassiore. 
potentially is Lieutenant Shaxx, a big looking Bajoran guy. Uh, and then we've got two names that we've actually, you know, heard of outside of of voice work. And that's Jerry O'Connell who plays commander ransom. Uh, he's been in stand by me. He was in sliders. He's also Mr. Rebecca Romaine, um, which probably explains how he got a job doing star Trek in addition to all that other stuff. <laughs> and then, uh, Dawn Lewis is captain Freeman. Now she largely is known for the Cosby show spinoff, a different world from, I don't know, about 30 years ago. She yeah. played one of, uh, Lisa Bonet's friends. So uh, the show is going to premiere in 2020. I think it's going to come on the heels of Star Trek Picard right after season one of that finishes. That's my, that's my gut. What do you guys think? I like that idea. Um, Mr. Kurtzman has said for a while that he wants to have Star Trek on all the time. So we get to an end of season of Picard. We could start with a season of lower decks and then get into discovery and then get into whatever is next down the road. I like it. Alex, I'm not, I'm, I'm not upset about that at all. Alex, don't rush it is all I'm going to say is if he needs if, if any of these shows need another two months, I'll wait. I'm happy to wait. Mm-hmm. I want to wait. So I do like this idea of, you know, constant Trek pumping out. I just don't want Trek fatigue and I don't want them doing something that isn't what they want and isn't something. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that with with Sir Patrick Stewart and Picard. But um, yeah, I think if if we get better trek a little bit later i'm happier for that so don't rush everyone just do the things you need to do and as a virulent fan of star trek i am willing to wait an extra one or two months because there was a period of time where i had to wait almost 10 years so make it do it right not fast i gotta i gotta agree with that because didn't they have a a little bit of a was it a delay before the premiere season one or the premiere season two guys for discovery they they stretched it out and i think it was great that they did season one yeah yeah they did um i think that i think that's part of the reason why lower decks will likely come right after picard is to avoid that fatigue they're going to change it up and go from something that's probably heavy drama into something that's incredibly light almost like a palate cleanser Mm -hmm. um and then i think we're going to get season three of star trek discovery after that which will put it roughly around summertime but again, that's just that's my conjecture. I have no idea how many episodes of Lower Decks there are going to be. No. Um, so I'm going to say June, July, maybe for Discovery, but we'll talk about that possibly later on. Now, Tony Newsom, who plays one of the main ensigns in Star Trek Lower Decks, has also been announced as the host of the brand new official Star Trek podcast, Prime Directive, which will be premiering soon. Um, there's no premiere date. Um, and Tawny does some other podcasts, which will be interesting. But this podcast will not necessarily be about Lower Decks. It's going to be about all of Star Trek. So we welcome Tawny to the Star Trek podcast universe and we look forward to seeing what she does. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. It's always good to get a new name um, involved in podcasting um, for new for me, I should say. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to that and, and welcome aboard Tawny. Yeah. Now, now moving on to short treks uh, because they did uh, show a trailer for short treks, which was pretty exciting. We know there are going to be six shorts in total and uh, they have the following titles. Ask not children of Mars, the girl who made the stars, which man, that just sounds like a fantastic title. Uh, the trouble with Edward, uh, Efame and dot, and then Q and a, now, of those six titles, which one piques your interest the most, Barry? Oh, easily the trouble with Edward, because we've got uh, H. John Benjamin coming on to to 
say, do you want triples? That's how you get triples. I hope it isn't a just a, an archer fest or anything like that. H. John Benjamin is a perfectly good actor in his own right in different ways. But I think it I don't know, it seems again, kind of like a bit more of a lighter hearted episode. And if it, it is along the lines of the trouble with triples, it will expand the triple the triple canon in an enjoyable little short trek. So that's easily the one I'm the most excited for. Dan, what about you? Um, first of all, in regards to the triple one, I'm looking forward to it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm hoping that they won't do anything. I mean, it, it appeared in the trouble with triples that nobody had ever seen the triples before. Obviously we've seen dribbles and discovery. So they're going to have a whole episode around, around triples and kind of a couple scary scenes in that, in that trailer. So I'm, I'm, I'm anxiously excited and nervous at the same time for that one. I'm looking forward to Q and a because the title of that one sounds like it's going to be the one with number one and Ensign Spock in the turbo lift when it breaks down. Um, and that was, that was a funny part of the trailer with, with them discussing how people don't ever talk in elevators and then the elevator breaks and all Spock does is ask ridiculous questions. Um, that looks like that's going to be an enjoyable one. If that's the uh, turbo lift episode Q and a, well, I feel like that could be Q and a, or it could be ask not, which oh, I, true, I think yeah. would be a, a fabulous title <laughs> regarding the tribbles. I mean, by the time we get to the trouble with tribbles, you know, the enterprise is out where no one has gone before. True. And maybe they just haven't heard of tribbles out that far because tribbles are not dangerous. I hate you. <laughs> Oh my God. I hate Cyrano Jones with a passion. <laughs> I would airlock him in a minute. Yeah. And I would, I would airlock Dan right after that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd, um, I'd set phasers to stun on him just to watch him fall over. And, and yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. And then airlock him. Yeah. Um, of those short titles, I think uh, I'm most interested by the girl who made the stars and possibly children of Mars. Um, I'm interested to see if that has to do with the planet or the God of war. Uh, because I think that could be really fascinating and, and a really good examination of uh, a Star Trek type story. So I guess we'll see. Now, we know that three of these shorts, 50% of them are going to take place on Christopher Pike's Enterprise. That was one of the big reveals during this past weekend. We know Anson Mount is back as Captain yes. Pike. We yes. know Rebecca Romaine is back as number one and that Ethan Peck is back as Spock. Um, we're going to see some other characters too mm -hmm. uh it could be very interesting two of these shorts will be animated so it's reasonable to presume that one of them will be related to star trek lower decks possibly both or maybe it'll be something completely out there who knows yeah and then one of them is going to be tied to star trek picard that's really I amazing I wish I find very interesting. I, yeah. I hear, and I don't know if this is how accurate this is, but it's supposed to take place 15 years before Star Trek Picard and possibly be related to why he left Starfleet. Interesting, because we know that there was some kind of rescue mission that he was on that went really wrong. A lot of people are saying that that had something to do with the destruction of Romulus at the beginning of Star Trek 2009. So I would love to have that kind of historical short track to, to talk about what happened before we get to the point that we're going to see him in the show. Do we know I the mean, title of that one of the Picard we, related short trick? We don't know which one it is. I'm going to, I'm going to put my money down on the girl who made the stars. Um, I think that's, that's a possibility as is honestly children of Mars. Um, maybe it's about war. Maybe it's about something else. Um, I, I think that those two are probably the best candidates for that particular type of treatment. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess I'll, I'll, we're going to see we're going to see those short tracks later this year. 
which is pretty exciting. So we'll see that first before we see Star Trek Picard, obviously. And I'm, I, I am more jazzed for short treks this time around than I was last time, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. So moving on to, I guess the, the piece de resistance, oh. um, the big announcement, Star Trek Picard. Um, there was a trailer. There was a lot of cast members and there were two unannounced cast members, three, actually three unannounced cast members who graced the stage. And of course I'm talking about Jonathan Delarco, who will play Hugh, the Borg, mm-hmm. Jerry Ryan, who will play seven of nine. And amazingly, Brent Spiner, who returns to the golden Android makeup and whether he plays data or not remains to be seen. Barry. Yeah, I, there's so much that I want to say, and it's all kind of bottlenecking on this. So I'll stick with characters just for now, getting Hugh back and, and having Jerry Ryan, uh, seven of nine coming in. This is, this is for me, the big signal that, that the Borg are going to play very, very heavily. And I hope their treatment of the Borg honors a lot of what happened in Voyager. And we might maybe get like sort of another view of those things. I'm I'm midway through my full Voyager completion right now, and I'm not happy with everything they do with the Borg, and they kind of turn them into sort of cutesy things every now and again, and it is mm-hmm. frustrating. But at the same time, I think I think there is a lot more that can be done with the Borg as a species, as a threat, and I do feel that um, just yeah, having Seven of Nine and Hugh on there is going to be absolutely wonderful. Seeing Data at the end made me jump quite a bit i was really excited that that brett spiner would put that makeup back on again again that that sort of shows that uh he's he's very much involved in this and i do think that both i think everyone is very good actors but i will say kind of particularly speaking sir patrick stewart and brent spiner are extremely talented and very serious actors and they wouldn't just jump into something for the heck of it so the fact that they got both guys to come in and reprise very, very important roles is again a very big confidence booster. I'm going to put you both on the spot again, really quickly. We're going to play a little game of data before or hologram. Dan is Brent Spiner appearing as data as before or as a hologram version of data. I think for what we saw in the trailer, I've got to go with a hologram at first. Um, obvious, it looked like there was some obvious CGI to get rid of some of Brent's aging and that's not a negative thing at all um and it to me it just it just looked like they were putting that in there to be a real big oh my god moment but it might not be that oh my god moment that we all think it is and it's more of just a holodeck i think it's great i will say one thing and this is totally unrelated to whether he's a hologram before or data one of the problems that i have had with the star trek next generation movies is if you look at data during the seven seasons of tng he has very nice pale gold eyes for some reason in the movies they decided to go with those very heavy yellow eyes and that's always been a very big distraction for me in the movies and i wish they weren't doing it with this but we'll see what happens yeah very same same question um okay i'm i'm sort of in between it's either going to be b4 or a hologram because we know that data's like memories and and whole program has been uploaded. So Picard can still interact with data, even if he's sort of software rather than hardware. But the things that kind of get me and make me very interested is clearly he is confiding in data 
to some degree while he's talking to him when that little conversation's happening he's drinking a tea that's a picard relaxation thing he's also playing cards and if we know if we remember at the end of best of, or at the end of um Oh my gosh. Oh, good things. Yeah, I'm thinking of Best of Both Worlds because I have it written in front of me right now because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But um, yeah, at, at the end of All Good Things, he's playing cards with with the uh, the bridge crew. And so I'm wondering if, yeah, you thinking that it's a hologram and just sort of me kind of parachuting into that possibility, I'm leaning more and more towards that, that he goes into some kind of antechamber of his house where there's a, hol- a small hollow suite and he he talks to data because i don't think he can let him go and and yeah one of the things i also want to point out we haven't brought it up is the aspect of lore lore was not destroyed he was deactivated and when they pulled that um drawer out and you saw pieces of an android i was thinking lore more than i was thinking before so i mean I know that, you know, lore was broken uh, and before it was broken also. So it'll be interesting to see who that actually was that they were showing in that case. This is the problem is Brent Spiner plays so many characters. I mean, <laughs> just, he could be Dr. Soong in, in cosplay if he, he could be too, right? Like, who knows? For, for some reason, the creators of Star Trek just can't get rid of that Brent Spiner head. <laughs> I know, right? So many episodes. I know. So... <laughs> So how do we feel about the introduction of seven of nine into the next generation carry forward? I mean, it's, it's really not a carry forward to the next generation, but you know, I've seen some comments online while well, seven shouldn't be there. Um, I, I have no problem with her being there. I think it makes sense in the scope of part of Picard's experience. They have a shared experience. It's reasonable to think that they would find each other after that mm-hmm. at some point. And who knows what their relationship is? Maybe they're part of some ex Borg support group. Who knows, Dan? I am elated about Jerry Ryan being in this show. I actually tweeted out last night. I was so excited. I think I'm actually more excited about Jerry being in this show than any of the big names that we've been told about so far. I have such a new appreciation and love for Voyager during my my recent rewatches. So I'm ecstatic. And you're absolutely right. She was a Borg at the time that Locutus was a Borg. So they probably have some connect connection. We saw that alcove or that that fortress of some kind which said um this facility has gone 5,843 days without assimilation we saw what looked like the remnants of a borg cube so as barry said earlier the borg are going to be very involved in this series and i think having annika because i'm going to go with her name is going to be annika not seven for the show being involved and being a critical part of the plot is just a a an ingenious way to bring someone from a different Star Trek series into this one. Now, did you guys, Barry. did you guys notice an attitude shift in, in her, oh, in the way, in her so demeanor? Happy. You know, yeah. she, she was jovial. She was, I think she used a contraction. It, I, I thought that was kind of neat that, that maybe they're going to, they're going to progress her character, right? Like again, when we look at the mythology of Star Trek, when you think of seven and nine, you get a very specific picture of a personality of a human you know everything about her character is pretty much set in our heads and 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 getting that reimagination of her or or like a progression of her again is something i'm really excited for and a, a per, an actor like jerry ryan is totally up to the task of of 
aging and growing that character into something that is going to be more pertinent to this plot because i don't think the seven of nine story needs any more threads to be pulled on it i think it it's it concluded nicely so or at least as far as i know because i am not a voyager completionist i'm sorry but i'm getting there um and it just it just sort of seems that that in that respect jerry ryan getting called to to be put on here again i wonder how much sir patrick stewart has had to do like i mean we saw him in the writer's room but i think for him to say like for him to even suggest something like jerry ryan and maybe one of the writers will come out and say well no actually i came up with it but i i do wonder if if they were saying like well we need other people who were borg there and that's why they're getting hugh and seven back it's it's a it's a good situation and i couldn't be more excited for these really cool and dynamic characters coming on and yeah expanding i think I think I'm most excited by the fact that Seven's not going to be wearing a cat suit. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I think that they're well, going to treat this as as a human who has grown from her experiences exactly. and has has discovered the part of her humanity that she's comfortable with. So, Dan, yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe she goes back to being called Annika Hansen. That's maybe she goes back to being called Seven. Yeah. But I think that it's going to show a natural progression of this character. And that's what I'm most excited about is that she'll get something meaty to do. Well, you got to think. It's been 20 years for her to learn about her humanity since we last saw her in the last episode of Voyager. And, you know, she could still be part of Starfleet. Maybe she's, like you said, there's some kind of special relationship between her and Picard that they're on some special missions together over the course of time. I think it's a fantastic new um, kind of offshoot um, of relationships and Trek that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I would just like to point out that, uh, Dan, you brought up the the sign that said 5,843 days since an assimilation has occurred. Was it an incorrect number? No, that's roughly okay. 16 years. Oh. And allegedly the short treks for that ties into Picard mm-hmm. takes place roughly 15 years or so before the start of the series. Good okay. catch, I'm just Bill. throw that out there. That, Boom. that is a good catch. You are the M5. Uh, no, I have a great calculator on my phone. <laughs> but uh, but even know, to it, clock into that, like, yeah, that that is ooh, good. It, it's wow. amazing that you know all all my life growing up, you know, my math teacher said it's not like you're going to have a calculator in your pocket walking around. <laughs> yeah, uh, BS. I do. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, we we got that information. That's all very exciting. Then they also announced that we are going to see Will Riker and Deanna Troy in star trek picard they confirm that and i guess the scenes with jonathan frakes are actually being shot this coming week which is incredibly exciting so we talked a little bit before about lavar burton saying yeah you may see some family members so we know we got data we know we got Riker. we know we got troy um i i have every faith that this production is going to be uh, something epic. I feel like, you know, pa- Sir Patrick said it was like a 10 hour movie. I think it's really shaping up that way, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask you this guys. There's one scene in the trailer where we hear a woman talking and it sounded like Deanna to me. Um, I can't remember the line, but she had that certain inflection in her voice that Deanna's got that kind of a different accent. It then, it then flashed to a picture of Picard would look like he was in front of the Vasquez rocks. And then there was another woman who looked like a Romulan. It's that quick 10 second part of the trailer. Unfortunately, I apologize. I can't remember the line, but to me, it sounded like Deanna. I didn't get that from it, Barry. No, I, I didn't. But again, this, the, the, the concept of that speculation would be fun. So I might have to just watch the trailer for the 55th, mm. 5,000th time. <laughs> uh, 
because I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't clock into that, but that's why I'm glad that we're having this conversation because ultimately all of these things are going to get revealed. But the best part about this is look at how much it's already captured our imagination. Oh yeah. For me, if we've got Will and we've got Deanna, then we're going to get the Titan gentlemen. And I'm that's excited. What I'm open. I am excited yep. to see that baby fly. Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll, go ahead, Bill. Assuming that Will hasn't promoted to Admiral and left the captain's chair. Keep the Titan. Keep the Titan. <laughs> that's what I would say. Like, <laughs> one of the, uh, one of the things that I liked about this and, and reading about different things is there's a heavy Romulan influence in this show. Um, we talked about it a little bit. This, you know, we think that's something that took place, which may have, um, you know, change Picard's path in life was the destruction of Romulus. There are definite Romulans in the show and some of them look like they are holding a grudge against him for some reason. Would it possibly because of the destruction of the planet? Because it did take place in the prime timeline people. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way right now. So it'll be interesting. I think the scene in front of a planet, there was a bunch of ships and they look kind of like newfangled Romulan warbirds. So that's going to be interesting too. We haven't had a, a Romulan heavy series. We need no, one. No, we've not. Yeah, we do. Yeah. And I think we're going to get it. I think that we're going to see Romulans and Borg. And I, I think that here's what, here's my gut feeling. I hate speculation, but I, I mean, I'm a Star Trek fan. It's, it's what we all do. I think the Romulans are starting to dabble in the, the surviving Romulans, because remember yes. Romul, Romulus is destroyed, yep. um, are playing with Borg technology. Well, it, it makes sense because if you look at the Romulan star empire, it borders Borg space. Yes. And, yep. and I would say also maybe the other way of looking at this and why they're dabbling is if Romulus gets destroyed, you've just cut the head off the, in this case, Eagle. And what, what, better way for the Borg to launch an attack than when an entire empire has lost its capital. It is without leaders. I mean, it would be ripe for the taking. And I mean, logically speaking, the Borg would not be able to take on the Romulan Empire if it had a command structure. But if that command structure gets destroyed by a massive supernova, well, it's going to be pretty easy pickings. And also, I noted that some of the Romulans, or at least one of the Romulans, was bald, or at least had has had his head shaved, and that would then have continuity to why Nero, and they say that the reason why they all shaved and tattooed themselves was a state of mourning. Mm-hmm. It makes sense yeah. that the ones who hate Picard would probably be the bald ones, and right. the ones who love Picard, or at least want to work with him, are not going to be that way. And one kind of looked like Legolas to me, but other than that... Well, (laughs) let's move on to some of the new characters that we've talked about during this panel. Uh, We got scant details about some of these, but there are still some interesting subtext here. Uh, Alison Pill, who's uh, been on the newsroom on HBO, is a a wonderful actress. Her character, Dr. Agnes Girardi, is a researcher and someone who's confused with her place in the world. And then we have Michelle Hurd's character named Rafi Musiker. I don't know if the pronunciation is right on that has an unrelated relationship with Picard's past. She said it's a delicious character to play. Um, and it seems like every character is struggling with their inner demons. I'm sort of using the synopsis here from the Trek movie website. Mm-hmm. Um, Santiago Cabrera plays Cristobal Chris Rio, who's an ex Starfleet officer and has a history with Michelle Hurd's character. Uh, Harry Treadaway plays Narek or Narek who's a, uh, one of the Romulans, uh, Evan Evagora plays Elnor, which is, I think, the Legolas-looking Romulan that you referenced earlier. And I I think I saved the most interesting for last and probably the one we'll get the most mileage out of talking about. Issa Briones plays Dodge, 
um, who's comes to Picard looking for some kind of help because she knows she'll be safe with him. And apparently, Dan, this girl can kick some ass. Yeah, she can. And I've been trying to wrap my head around what who she could possibly be, because in the trailer, Picard says, if she is who I think she is, she's in great danger. And I've seen some of the speculation online and I just I got nothing. I'm, you know, is she a Borg queen child? Is she somehow related to Hugh? I, I don't know. I, it's it's going to be great. That's one of the things that I like most is we're going to have all of these ideas and th- what it is actually going to be. Nobody's going to have been on on that path and it's going to be fantastic. Uh, Mr. DeFord, host of the forthcoming Trek Geeks Picard Live. What say you? I'm pretty with Dan on this one of being not terribly sure she could be a Borg princess, I guess we could say. Um, one of my friends and colleagues on Twitter is really hoping that she's a reinvention or a reimagination of LOL. And if that's the case, then her reflexes have improved considerably because she couldn't, <laughs> she, she couldn't catch a baseball earlier. Now she's kicking people <laughs> off of staircases. But uh, I guess, I, and the Bill, you're going to hate this. Like, you're really going to hate this. I wonder if there's going to be maybe a bit of similarity between her and the female character in Serenity um, being like the ultimate weapon kind of thing from like the Firefly Serenity series. I wonder if there's going to be something like that. I mean, if that's my least favorite possibility, but who knows, right? I, I, I hope they play it close to the chest. I don't want to know. I I don't want to have like, I like this speculation where we are just casting such a wide net in every direction. But if they, if they allow any more like morsels of information out, a lot of us do a lot of talking about Star Trek and we'll probably find out. So this is as far as I want it to go. Uh, That's fair. Now it's interesting because you brought up the, the possible firefly slash serenity tie in and down here on my notes, which you probably are unable to read. It says, in a, as a question, genetic threat to the Borg, mm. which I wrote down about 30 seconds before you said that. So oh. here's my thought. At one point in the trailer, we see Dodge in sort of a maroon colored jumpsuit at that facility where it's been 5,843 days since somebody's been assimilated. So I'm going to guess that she is an unassimilated human who was Borg at one point. Perhaps that's why she goes to Picard because Picard is locutist. Mm. I think that she carries some sort of genetic key or marker that essentially could destroy the Borg. And I think that's why she goes there because now she's a threat. That explains Hugh too. Well, well it, also it does. And I think she's possibly related to Hugh. And think of this, when they were talking about what she was at one point, when they showed that Borg ship that looked kind of half destroyed you heard in a borg voice the destroyer so they don't think she's good news either i don't think at least from the borg perspective so do i think that the borg will be the the overarching villain or enemy i don't No. i think that it's going to be the romulans and i think the romulans want her Mm -hmm. because the romulans sense a threat from the borg and the romulans are going to destroy every last borg there is here's here's another little piece of this I wonder, and okay, so this, a bit of a long walk for a short drink of water, but um, this is the Polytrex fun of things. Okay, <laughs> so a author who I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that big of a fan of, but he's okay. Uh, George Orwell went to the Spanish Civil War and he wrote a book on it called Homage to Catalonia. And I thought about doing like a fan fiction novel called Homage to Glintara, which would be post-destruction of Romulus. There is an imperial part of the Romulan Empire and there's a democratic part, uh, or we could say Republican part of the Romulan Empire that wants to 
emancipate itself, become a democratic republic rather than a dictatorship, and basically emancipate itself as a free society. There are some Starfleet officers who decide to um, step away from their commission and go and fight on the side of the Republican Romulans, much like Americans and Canadians went and fought on the side of American Spanish during the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s. I'm wondering if this is a uh, there's going to be a civil war in the Romulan and former Romulan Empire, and the Borg senses the weakness, and the Imperial side of the Romulans want to use Borg technology to destroy everything and win, and the other side wants to cleave itself to the Federation, or at least sympathetic members within the Federation, and that's why Picard goes. He has Borg knowledge and understanding. He might have that super weapon, and that's why he's on that sh- nondescript ship, not in Starfleet. Uh, attire. Here's my last putting you on the spot of the episode, gentlemen. And I have not discussed this with either of you. So this question is brand new to you both. Will there be a section 31 element in this series? Dan. I haven't thought about that in the slightest, but um, I will say yes, because I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) You're honest. I appreciate that. I will say to that, if there is, I want it to be a small part. I don't want it to be like we saw, not that I minded, season two of Discovery or the forthcoming, upcoming, coming Section 31 series. <laughs> I want it to be a small part. A little, a little bay piece. Okay, Barry? Barry? I hope that we don't see uh, Section 31, mainly because I want to save. I'm the kind of guy who eats his dinner one, one food at a time, so I put all my food on the plate and I go one at a time. I worry that if we add section 31, it might sort of just put too many irons in the fire. So I would say in this respect, if section 31 didn't show up, I'd be fine with that because I think they've already got a really good premise. Keep it simple. I would actually just to throw out a completely different franchise. I think that was the mistake of stranger things episode or season three. They had too many things happening at once. I haven't seen it. That's okay. And if anyone has, you'll know what I'm saying. You'd agree or disagree with me, but I do fear that they will try to put too much in. And if section 31, like you say, Dan has a minor role, that would be great. And if they have no role at all, we have a section 31 series coming. So we will get our fix with the illustrious Michelle. Yeoh. I'm going to say no. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a Section 31 element. I've seen some conjecture to that online, but I figured it was worth asking this vaunted dais the question. Here's one that you'll be surprised at, gentlemen. I hope there is not a mirror universe aspect to the show. We don't need one. I don't I don't think there will no, be. No, we don't. We don't need one at all. Yep. I don't think there will be because I don't think it fits the story. Exactly. Yep. Um, I think they would if it, if it fit the story in some level, but I think that we've just had a a half season in, in yeah. Star Trek Discovery season one. I don't think we need the MU uh, yeah. anytime soon. So um, I, I'm, I, I don't think that that Dodge is really lol. Um, no, I, I, I think the, the resemblance is, is a stretch at best. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, uh, I have a hard time believing that before or hologram data or whatever Brent Spiner winds up playing was going to create uh, another lol. Uh, it, I, I don't think it would be law because I think the data would, if data was going to create another soon like Android, it wouldn't have that same name hmm. um, right. because of what he felt for law. And I use feel yeah. in, in air quotes. So uh, that kind of rounds out the cast. Um, which of these new characters aside from Dodge, do you think is the most interesting Dan? 
I like the character who um, is the ex-Starfleet officer who's got a chip on his shoulder and has admitted on the panel this weekend that at first he doesn't want to help Picard at all. I think it's going to be interesting to see that character, what those inner demons are, and how he comes around to wanting to help the captain slash admiral. Barry? Well, I would say I just want to see the dynamics of the Romulan crew. The, you know, there is that moment where it looks like Picard could be on Vulcan. So I don't know if we're talking to Romulans all the time or Vulcans all the time. They seem to have issued that TNG DS9 sort of forehead ridge that the uh, the Romulans had and gone for the yep. kind of more classic look. So I think that's an interesting bit. And that might play into the idea that maybe we might even see some Vulcans trying to throw some wrenches in the gears of any kind of um, entente between the Federation and the Romulan Empire because they have a horse in the race on that too and I'm sure to some degree they would resist a a Romulan Federation connection a little bit more because I mean as much as there's they have the common ancestry they don't like each other very much so this could be an interesting sort of maybe we'll have some secret Vulcans on the uh, on the that that ship that they're on Silly Barry, don't you know resistance is futile? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, uh, the trainer, uh, the trainer, the trailer brought people to uh, to an emotional place. I have to admit, I watched it this morning after watching the clips from the Comic Con panels, and I had seen the trailer already, and I I had tears in my eyes. Um, uh, I expect a level of Star Trek from the series that we've not seen before, yes. especially with these characters. And I think it's exciting. I think it's emotional and I think it's going to be pretty special to have Patrick Stewart back in that role. Um, I'll hit you both for your final thoughts on, uh, on the weekend's developments, anything that you think we missed or didn't cover enough. And Barry, we'll start with you. The bit, the my favorite piece of all of this, and this for me just screams Sir Patrick Stewart's vision into this as well is you're a he's a stranger to himself is what he says or at least what the lady says um have you felt like a stranger to yourself and i think immediately i'm best of both worlds immediately i'm thinking the inner light where he truly is a stranger to himself in a lot of cases and has typified that loneliness of leadership in a lot of cases interesting dan i remember when when discovery was announced and everybody was just so excited to be having new Star Trek. And then last year at STLV, Sir Patrick Stewart walked out those doors and the place went absolutely nuts. And then he announced that Jean-Luc Picard is back and it went up to a level higher than before. And that's nothing compared to right now, I think, gentlemen. This is the best time in the history of humanity to be a Star Trek fan, because we have all of these things going on. We thought that Star Trek was dead when enterprise was canceled and, and we weren't as excited about the movies. And then 2009 hit and it was so exciting to have another movie. We've got several shows in the works right now. And we've got one of the legends of Star Trek reprising his role 20 years later because he thought the idea of the story was just something he could not turn away. That makes the hair on my arm raise up. Knowing that somebody who is as famous as that and is probably as particular in whatever project he's going to take on said, I've got to do this. I can't wait. I'm just ecstatic beyond words. I, I never felt that close a tie to Picard. And when they announced it, 
last year at STLV, like everybody else, I was just a, a, a slobbering pile of, of emotion <laughs> because Patrick was back in this role that, that made him a pop culture icon and to watch these scenes and to watch him, you know, sit in that chair again and to give the engage command is something pretty damn special. And I, I, I think, I hope that fans realize how truly special this is. Um, I, I used the phrase rarefied air earlier in the episode. And I, 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 this is really the only thing I can think of is that we are never going to see another time like this as Star Trek fans. There may be more series. There may be more, you know, movies. There may be more books and comics and all those things, but there will never, never be another return of an icon like Patrick Stewart. And I, for one, am just grateful to have seen it. So um, that's pretty much the news from STLV. Barry, thank you for joining us this week. Of course, uh, we've mentioned Trek Geeks Picard Live, which will debut later this year. Um, you're going to go see to your pants live style and and deal with the chaos. And our hat's off to you, man. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> we're excited. We're not doing it. <laughs> I'll call in. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the, my, my eight listeners will be very excited. And uh, yeah, you guys can call in and heckle all you want. Actually, actually, guys, I want to say I want to say something in all seriousness. I was talking to my brother-in-law and sister today about this when we were having dinner. My brother-in-law is a eh, Star Trek fan. And he knows how much I love it. He knows it's it, it's like, like is my life. He watched the trailer with us tonight, and he is excited like I have never seen him before. And I that's that's what makes it all worth it is seeing a reaction like I saw. And I told him about your show, Barry, and he said he will call into your show. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he can put together sentences in, not as gracefully as Dan does. So that's really going to be a chore for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Dan, you know what else would have been fantastic this past weekend at San Diego Comic-Con is if five-year mission had been there to play everybody oh. off. We love Five Year Mission so much. It is amazing. We are so grateful to them for all the music that we get to use here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. And of course, Dan, Five Year Mission is bringing their own podcast to the network later this summer, which we are very excited about. So I, uh, to prepare, we want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net, download all that music, buy those CDs, get yourself a t-shirt or something, and get ready because it's going to be something special. It's going to be special. I can't wait for the podcast because who knows? Danisms may become a thing. Don't know. Kind of hoping, but we'll see. But uh, I love their music. All their stories are great. And one of the stories is, you know, is one of the most recognizable aliens in Trek history took place in this episode, gentlemen. It's the Mugatu. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Uh, One bite could kill any of the band members quickly and painfully. But the interesting part about this episode was the Magatu was only part of the story. You know, this was a story about a power struggle between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. Uh, and they ensnare a primitive group of musicians Kirk once visited, had the likes of Tyree and Appella and, and, and Nona, all great characters in the classic TOS episode, A Pryfark Little War. It, it's, the the Magatu's scary. Um, Nothing. I, both of you. Bill, Hello? Is, this thing, is this thing on? Bill, how, how, how have you survived through 184 farkisms? I, I, this is, this is the most pain I've been in since I had my wisdom teeth removed. <laughs> and you had anesthesia for that, which you didn't have for this. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. I, it makes, it makes sense though. I mean, it's a pri- 
Pry Fark. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. That's just a that's that's one of your worst ones ever. No. Are you trying? <laughs> are you, are you say that every week. Though. Are you trying? I'm, I'm trying. This is no, like this no, is, you're not. This is like this is like the the aristocrats of Farkisms. I think it's so bad it's Ooh, good. I'll, I like. I'll it. take that as a compliment then. Thank you, Barry. You can uh, come back anytime, Barry. What do you, <laughs> He knows the aristocrats joke. He doesn't tell a very good version of it. No, but he knows. it. <laughs> so that's five year mission.net. Please support the band. Of course, don't forget you can support the Trek geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content via Patreon, get access to exclusive content, not available anywhere else. I guess that's what exclusive means. Mm-hmm. See the first of our annual supporters pins from fan sets and even get raw unedited audio of all of our podcasts. Polytrex included along with so many other perks, Dan. Yeah, we'd also like to take a moment right now to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are grateful for their support, and they include Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Shane Murray, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, and Rob Robel. Um. That's fantastic. What a great array of people. Dan, I have a list almost as long um, <laughs> of our producers, and we want to thank them so much. Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matthew McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, and of course, the lovely and talented Scott Vashon. If you'd like to become a producer on the network or even get access to raw audio for Trek Geeks episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today, where subscription levels start as low as $1 a month. That's amazing. Dan, next week, it's almost time for Vegas and STLV, and that means it's our annual look at an episode that channels some elements of that city in the desert. Yes, sir. Vegas means gambling for many people, and... What is a better form of gambling than to bet with your very own life and the lives of your crew, gentlemen? There are aliens, quatloos, colorful disembodied brains, triads, beautiful people in silver outfits, and some guy named Galt who I really have absolutely no care in the world about. It's the Gamesters of Triskelion next week on Trek Geeks the flagship podcast of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Can I just say I've always wanted a flagship? Yeah. <laughs> I, I run a flagship. Flagship. I have a Star Trek chair. I can wag my flag. Star Trek. I saw an eagle. <laughs> no, that was a raven with a bagel. Yeah, oh, that's God. what it was. Uh, for those of you wondering, keep listening. The outtake's coming. Uh, of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please enjoy the other podcasts, the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, the Star Trek Podcast Network for your fandom. In addition to Trek Geeks, there's Discovering Trek and Polytrex, and pretty soon we're adding even more. I like Trek Geeks Picard Live later this year, Barry. I am so excited. And also for you intrepid Polytrex listeners, you have spent a very long time through the desert. I promise you before STLV, Shashank and I will have something for you to listen to. And then in STLV, Bill, Dan, Shashank, and myself have something very special in store for you. That we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at Trek News. For now, this has been episode 185 of the Trek East podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. What the hell are you doing out here, Picard? Saving the coconut? <laughs> really? 
That's not as bad as the Pryfark Little War, though, is it? No, it's just as no. bad. It's, okay, it's bad. So I see that your 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 level of of attempt at trying mm-hmm. is just degrading with every episode. I was so excited about the news of this weekend that my brain shorted out a little bit, so I had to really just. You call those three cells a brain? <laughs> wow, at least you remembered it was three cells. Brain and brain. What is brain? What is brain? Fark's brain. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing bong! Oh, that was nice. Bing bong! Oh, don't go to the Britney thing. You sound like you're dry heaving when you do that. <laughs> Sorry. Ugh. Ugh. I just, I think I just threw up in the back of my, my throat a little. Well, then mission accomplished. Well, uh, well, welcome back Hi. from uh, from vacation, buddy. Yes, thank you. It's very good to be back. It's always good to be back. You had a beautiful week at the lake. It was fantastic. We had one day of showers and thunderstorms. A branch almost fell on my head, uh, but that's okay. Damn it. it! I know. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry you're disappointed. But uh, great day. The 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 it was quiet. There was no boat traffic all week. It was very nice. Sue and I kayaked many miles. Saw an eagle. So for real this time, Matt, <laughs> I saw an eagle, and it was awesome. And I'm going to tell you this quick story because it was so awesome. We were kayaking at the lake, and there is a an eagle, and they call it the Winnesquam eagle. So we went to its nest, which was a few miles away, and we're sitting there watching it. It comes out of the tree and flies over us and flies off. Then it flies back, and it lands on a rock that's sticking out of the water a little bit. So we start slowly kayaking over to it just to see if we can get a good look at it. It flies off the rock, and I'm not exaggerating at all when I say this. It flew in between Sue and I at water level at about 10 feet away. It was glorious. It was really cool. Now, what kind of eagle? Are we talking like American bald eagle? Yes. Or? Yep. Oh, wow. That's yep. fantastic. There's, there's been a nest um, at a certain tree in, on Winnesquam for three years now, I think. And each year there are new, there are new uh, babies in there. And these babies are growing up fast because they were pretty big. This year. So why did you attack the symbol of America? I, I didn't. Oh, no. I, why oh, were you trying to hurt those little no, evil babies? Don't That's even. That's the only reason why the mother would come after you. Like you're not that. going there. They, he was, he, she flew by and she kind of gave us a little, see ya, pal. It was why great. do you hate America? <laughs> um, I'm here from the Autobahn Bird Society. Oh, My name is Barry. Hi, Barry. Bing and Bong. Uh, firstly, <laughs> did you hear the call of that eagle? Um, I didn't hear the call of the eagle, but I heard the call of the the uh, chicks in the nest, and I actually have it on my phone. That's pretty cool. If, now, if, did you if know? You had heard the call, what might it have sounded like? <laughs> That's actually the sound of an eagle. The red-tailed hawk makes the iconic kier sort of sound that the eagle is always superimposed with on on your guys's uh, you know hooray for America flying over the Grand Canyon kind of thing. Um, yeah, the red-tailed hawk actually makes that noise. The bald eagle makes this kind of noise. It's very majestic. And actually, I was out with Stacy the other day. And we saw an eagle and it was beautiful as well. It did not fly and it didn't give us a little hay there. And that's an amazing story of it flying between there. 
But uh, yeah, Dan has, I think Dan.exe has just crashed. <laughs> I, this is amazing because I was asking Dan because it was going to sound stupid. And then you chime in with, with actual science, um, which is what I'm going to call this, even though it's, it's really just reporting what bird calls do. Um, hashtag I'm a bird nerd. Barry's bird, bird calls. I'm a bird it nerd. It sounded like Trek geeky geeky geeky. Trek geeky geeky geeky. Yeah, right? exactly. Right? Yeah. Did you know, actually, Stacey, uh, my, my, my better half, came by uh, the other day, actually, when she was out on a run. And she's like, Barry, I think I saw a bald eagle. Or I thought I saw a bald eagle. But it turned out to just be a raven with a bagel. And I thought that. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag Manitoban Canadian. Being like, oh, I thought that was an eagle. But uh, yeah, no, he's just a raven. He took my bread. Hashtag raven with a bagel. And I'm, raven I'm with tired. Bagel. I'm already tired. I'm tired. <laughs> Dan's, uh, Dan's brain is full. Uh, it, it, which is which. There's a first time for everything. I, I got to say. So thank uh, you, Bill. Well, all three of those cells. I mean, don't usually work at the same time. Uh, but they're they're dividing and conquering as we speak. Well, <laughs> I don't think they're dividing or like, conquering. Like each other is this is this going to be like? Uh, let that be your last battlefield. <laughs> there could be only one. All this electricity coming out of his Sorry, heart. That, that was my running through the hallway. Bad impersonation. That was almost as good as your Neelix lungs. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Yeah, yeah. Nobody see, can see it. So Seriously, though, I need to visit New Hampshire because, Dan, the pictures that you shared, those were idyllic. Absolutely beautiful. I got to tell you, you know, I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but Disney is our favorite vacation spot for going on vacation but not relaxing. The camp that we've gone to since I was an infant is, at least now, Sue and I have been married 16 years. It is our favorite place on planet Earth. Oh, yeah. Is that, is that camp. It's absolutely something we look forward to every year. And uh, this year was no exception. Barry, you're welcome to move in here to this condo when Kelly and I move. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sounds good. You'll, you'll, meet, uh, you'll meet Craig, who actually owns the property in Vegas. So, oh. If you do move to New Hampshire, though, you got to do one thing. Lose the accent. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> this 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 terrible, terrible, like mid mid North American <laughs> accent. It just means he has to hang out on the west side of Manchester. Oh, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I can't I can't do your guys's East like New England accent, but I can do the, the Nova Scotian uh, park your car in the harbor um sort of accent. They they everything has very hard R's over there. Really? Almost yeah. kinda like Minnesota. Maybe. Yeah, there there is a bit of an oh, yeah. But in Nova Scotia, when they agree or like you say something and they want to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they breathe in their yeses. It's very strange. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Dan does that, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving that alone. <laughs> we, 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 could do, we could do bird calls and Dan calls. <laughs> well, the Dan call is easy. Hey, margarita's ready. Oh. <laughs> Coconut, <laughs> coconut. <laughs> All right, there, gentlemen. Are you uh, you ready to do this? Oh, uh, let's do it. I'm ready. Whoa, ooh, whoa, that sounded a little. Um... So you sounded like Dirty Harry just then. Really? No, no, not really. <laughs> Sorry, Ferris Bueller was on the other night. <laughs> oh God! All right, here we go. Coconut. 